0: Well, as we talked about this whole subject matter of fear over the last, man, several months and uh, leading up to this kind of series launch. And uh, again, all a series is, is we talk about a subject matter until we run out of things to say. And so uh, we're going to spend the next five weeks talking about the subject matter of fear. But we all sense it. We all have fears, whether rational or irrational, No matter what the intensity of them are, I mean, we have fear. And so how do we navigate through fear and how do we navigate through life with these fears and the the things that keep us up at night, the things that keep our minds spinning, the things that send our hearts racing, our palms get sweaty? What do we do with fear? So today we're just going to take one small step into this. But like I said, over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at just different areas of our life, our past and our, our, our present, what we're dealing with now and how we de- deal with fears of the future and everything around that. And how do we handle the subject matter of fear? So to jump in today, uh, this is going to require all of you that have a cell phone. Now, if you're not sure what this new technology is, that's Okay. Uh, you can cheat on your friend, but get your phone out for me if you would. It's okay. It's church uh, now. You don't have to hide your screen as you text message someone. You can just do this right now. We'll embrace it, and uh, uh, we're going to take a, a non-scientific uh, kind of poll on, on five questions and what you fear the most. And so we're just going to ask you to text a response. It's going to come up live on the screen. Uh, don't worry. Uh, privacy is number one issue. And so the the the, the little service we're using you know, they're protecting all your cell phone information. They don't collect your cell phone number and then start spamming you. Don't have to worry about that. Uh, So it's safe if you're not sure what a text message is or you have a phone that you have to hit uh, a button three times to get the letter C. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. That's great. I mean, it's great, but they have newer phones that you don't have to do that. And, uh, do you remember having those little flip phones and you're trying to text message someone and take you like a day to get one text out, but you're so committed. You're like, oh, I hit it th- four times. This was- uh, anyway, so we're going to have a list of questions that come up on the screen and you're going to text 22333. So if you bring up an empty text message, type 22333, it'll be the same number. And you're just going to pick one of two responses to five questions and we'll see uh, what you all fear the most. So here's the first one. Who is more frightening to you? Uh, Now, let me preface, this isn't the 2008 Sylvester Stallone in Rambo. I'm talking the the 1982 First Blood Sylvester Stallone versus uh, Chuck Norris. And really, it's any Chuck Norris movie, uh, except for one show that Chuck Norris did, which is just a mark on his resume. Uh, uh, Do you remember Walker, Texas Ranger? (sighs) Not that Chuck Norris. Any other Chuck Norris? But who do you? Who is more frightening to you? Oh, some of you are already on it. Text, text that. Oh, come on! It can't be Stallone. It can't be Stallone. If I could do this again, but they locked me out last service, so I can't even participate. Come on, Chuck Norris. Oh, he's getting there. Come on, let's again non-scientific. You're really that scared of Sylvester Stallone? Okay, maybe. The, Oh, so close. So, how can we... Dave, can you, like, make these results? Oh, he's losing. Okay, maybe it's the Sylvester Stallone in Rocky Four against the Russian. Remember that one? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, here's the next question. We'll give it to Sly. There we go. Uh, okay, when you're down the shore, uh, what makes you more afraid? Being bitten by a shark or being pulled out to sea by a riptide? Which one is it? This summer we were down at LBI and literally my daughter yelled and screamed, my oldest, shark! I mean, we're in the middle of the water, shark! I look over and for one second I thought it was a shark, then I realized it was a dolphin. I'm like, no, dolphin, but it looked like a shark. Which one? Yeah, I tell you, man, Jersey, you, you guys aren't afraid of no shark, it's the riptide. You're like, oh, shark, I'll poke in the eyes, not a big deal. Or maybe it's a thought that if a shark attacks you, you're, I mean, you'll feel one bite and then you're done. But being pulled out to sea, you're going to, yeah. Okay, next question. What do you fear more, snakes or spiders? We should have had a both line, right? You're like, yeah. And there's a lot of spiders. Like, and I just let them spin their webs. I don't kill them. I like, I, wow, look at that. Oh, there's seven results. Come on, there's, there's. <laughs> what? that was a rapid shift 70 percent those creepy snakes now here's the next one uh and and if this person is sitting next to you <laughs> if your mother-in-law or father-in-law is in the room just hide your phone or just say to him i have to i have to answer the question it's not real but uh who do you fear more Your Mother-in-law or father-in-law text mother or father. <laughs> wow! I know Thanksgiving is coming up, right? And some of you are just so scared. Like, if you're cooking the turkey and your mother-in-law doesn't approve of the turkey, last Thanksgiving, uh, uh, the turkey is a huge thing for me. Look at that. Am I, am I am I leaning the decision? So, last Thanksgiving, my mother-in-law cooked not a whole turkey. She cooked a turkey breast. I'm like. That doesn't count. You need the whole thing. Still bur- bitter? Okay. Last question: Which highway is more frightening to drive on? I know. Last yeah. Last service. Uh, it wasn't even a close race. Here we come. Let's see. There we go. <laughs> Oh, there's a sympathy vote. That's all sympathy. It's probably the 6% of you that actually live around the 10 and uh you have to brave it. Fears Gallup did this this poll a couple of years back and uh they just pulled All-Americans. And these were the five, top five fears of All-Americans. Number one on the list, number one, by 51%, snakes. Number one on the list, snakes. I'm like, wow. I was like, that's not, that's not a scary thing for me most of the time. Uh, but snakes is number one. Number two, uh, 40% public speaking. For some of you, the thought of doing what I do on a Sunday would have you petrified. If I walked out right now, handed you my notes and said, hey, here you go. Like, you know, for me, this is actually the most comfortable for me. It sounds weird, but like me in, 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 in medium-sized groups or walking into like different type of meetings like that, that makes my, my heart race. But this, I'm like so comfortable here. But for some of you, the public speaking, number two. Number three, Heights. Heights. I stepped off of the stratosphere in Vegas. I think I shared that story uh, one weekend uh, last year, sometime. And I tell you, that first step off the stratosphere was the most crazy experience of my life. I don't know if you watched the video of uh, the man that jumped, you know, from outer space or almost out wherever he jumped from. And I watched that video, and I could just imagine that first step out of that capsule. What he had to think, what had to be going through his mind. His, I mean like that, just that step. Number four, being closed in a small space. That's mine. Oh, I was at, the, uh, at a park yesterday. We had a soccer tournament yesterday. My oldest daughter was playing in. And uh, so during halftime, I walked over to the, the, the uh, kind of jungle gym playground area. My youngest was playing there. And I tell you, playgrounds now, they're totally different than when I was growing up. When I was growing up, you had the the, uh, the uh, teeter-totter and the one swing with the the, the the plank of wood that you get splinters, right, you know? Like, it's deluxe now. I'm looking at this thing going, wow. And so I'm playing on this, this jungle gym set with my six-year-old, and she crawled through this small tube, and uh, I kind of looked at it, and I paused because I, I, I got scared that... If I would get in there, and it was so small and long, and I'm like, ah, I I mentally was like, ah, I'll just go over it. And without missing a beat, my my daughter got to the other side, popped up, and she saw me pausing and looking, and she doesn't know I had this this fear of closed-in spaces, and she says this, she goes, what, Dad? You you too fat? (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm like no, I mean maybe no, but it's small. <laughs> like, so I crawled over it. Oh like, uh, yeah, you too fat uh, from a six-year-old. And number five on the list: spiders and insects. What's your fear? Rational or ir- irrational? I mean, our bodies are, uh, are made up in an amazing way. I did all this re- reading on the brain and different parts of the brain and how it regulates our, kind of our, our, our fear and our emotions and how the body is all connected to the, the fear within and how the motions of fear uh, kind of makes its way out physically. Like for me, I have stress-induced asthma. And uh, man, if you ever see me walking around and just go, <sighs> yeah, that's a sign. I hate it because my wife looks for it now and she's like, What's wrong? Nothing, kind of. I don't know, right? It's your body's way of dealing with what's going on inside of you. We have built into us this this flight or fight mode that's kept mankind living for thousands of years now. But it's built into us where we come to a fearful moment. You know, whether or not you know you see something, or uh, you know I, maybe it's a spider for you. For me, I was running on a trail in uh, Colorado and. I woke up early. My mind was uh, kind of in another place. I was thinking through a lot of stuff. I had my iPod on. I was listening to to music. And I remember I come up around this bend, and uh, literally I I took a step down, and my next step with my left leg would have been to step step on this rattlesnake that was coiled up, hissing and wagging its tail. I I don't know. Do they wag tails? I don't know. Whatever. It's not a dog. But anyway, you get the point. And I literally, it paralyzed me. Like it, the, the flight or fight response was non existent. It was a, uh, I couldn't do anything. And then the next thought was run. <laughs> I, I didn't think about fighting it. It was like it would win, I would lose, that'd be bad. My run back to the, 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 the place I was staying was one of my fastest runs I had. <laughs> the adrenaline was pumping. But we have that response, it's a healthy response. But usually that fight or flight response is for that, that one moment, that quick moment. When you find yourself in danger, it keeps you alive. It keeps you on your toes. It keeps you. But what happens with more of those internal fears? That you just can't simply run away from. You can't simply just fight. What, what do you do when you look at your past? and you're trying to deal with your past. I mean, can you run from that? Can you fight that? No, it is what it is, and it's now here with you. And Man, if you're a parent, I had great parents growing up, but that whole thought is, you know, I, I, don't, want, I, don't, want, I don't want to hurt my kids. I mean, but I know one day, my kids are going to be sitting on some couch somewhere telling some counselor how much I messed them up, <laughs> Right? You, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like, okay, that's probably true. Not because I want to mess them up, but ah, I'm going to mess up my kids. And for some of you, you think about your parents and you had horrible parents. The pressure they put on you, the expectations they, they levied against you, maybe they abandoned you, whatever the case might be. And you're trying to run from that. And can you run from it? We look at the future. I mean, what are you fearful of right now? The future might be tomorrow, the future might be next week or a month or a year from now, but as you look down the road, what are those fears? And when the fight or flight response kind of sets in, it's not a quick moment, is it? We've got all this stuff swirling around in the world today. The election is, what, 16 days away? And again, not to make a political comment, but I don't care which side you're on. There's this fear of like, if that person gets elected, the whole world's going to end. And you listen to news and you read whatever apps you read and it depends which way they lean. It's, you know, like whether you agree or disagree and there's all this angst inside of you. For so many of you, your job is wrapped around the election and what might happen or not happen or the fears surrounding that. For some of you, it's just your job. You're not sure when you're going to walk in and when that phone call is going to, to, to come into your office and what that means for you. Again, if you're a parent, and you, know, you think about your kids, and you want the best for your kids, and you want them to succeed, whatever that looks like, and, but yet you know at some point you, you just have to let them go and make decisions, and you hope that they make great decisions. But you also know that they're human like you and they're going to not make all the great decisions. And how are you going to be there for them? And hopefully it's not too catastrophic. And Medical fears, financial fears cause us to hold on with a tighter uh, death grip onto our life. Fear. And what I find is interesting is out of this entire book, the Bible, and I get as some of you take this word by word for what it's written as. For some of you, you're still questioning a lot of it. For some of, you, some of you, you're in the middle on it. But, man, there's a lot of great principles throughout the whole Bible to live by. Whether you're still checking things out spiritually or, or wherever you find yourself at spiritually, there's great, great principles that are just true to live by. What's interesting when it comes to the subject matter of fear, the number one command throughout the entire Bible, not so much as an importance, but the number one command given is fear not or do not be afraid. Fear not or do not be afraid. It's the number one command in the Bible. Probably the number one uh, command as far as importance goes is to love God. The most used is do not be afraid. And I find that is so interesting. I mean, this was written over the last uh, several thousands of years. And guess what? It's no different than as it is today. Or the specifics might be different But the fear, both rational, irrational, still as intense. And so you see this command of "Do not be afraid," and it's great because there's so much reassurance. There's this moment where God comes to Abraham, and it's right before God says to Abraham, "Hey, Abraham." Your descendants are going to be like that of the stars. What a, an amazing moment of vision that God imparts to Abraham. You know what he says to him? Don't be afraid. Right? Don't be afraid. When Moses was kind of uh, done with his leadership of, of God's people, the Israelites, and Joshua was being instated as the new leader, could you imagine that moment? I mean, Moses is now done. And Joshua's like, I'm next. I have to do this. All the leadership is on me, all the responsibility. You know what God says to Joshua? Don't be afraid. You know what King David said to his son Solomon? Don't be afraid. Why? Because God is with you. What Jesus said over and over and over again? Whether it was to his, his disciples, this group of men that he chose to help lead to create this movement called the church, he said, don't be afraid. When he appeared after his resurrection? I mean, he literally just pops up in the middle of this like little house and he says, greetings. Wouldn't that just that would freak anyone out? And he said, what? Don't be afraid. I'm like, no, we should be. Where did you come from? How did you do that? Don't be afraid. I mean, moment after moment after moment. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be be afraid. God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. And you just wonder, why why is that the number one command in the Bible? Because fear is that big, bad bully, isn't it? Fear shoves out every emotion. You you can't have a, a heart of mercy and be fearful. They don't live together. You can't be happy and fearful at the same time. You can't have a generous spirit and fearful at the same time. Fear dominates It controls, it represses everything. God knows it. And there's these moments where you need to have that fight or fight response. Running on a trail in Colorado and almost stepping on a rattlesnake. That's a great moment. But yet we attach that to all these other areas of our life. And we find ourselves laying up at night Mind spinning, heart racing, and worried about all this stuff, all this fear of what might happen, what might occur. What do we do with all of it? There's an author. His name is Max Licato, and uh, he wrote a book called Fearless and. Uh, Listen to what he writes. Fear creates a form of spiritual amnesia. It dulls our miracle memory. It makes us forget what Jesus has done and how good God is. And fear feels dreadful. It sucks life out of the soul. It curls us into an embryonic state and drains us dry of contentment. I mean, if you were here the last five weeks, we spent five weeks talking about this this contentment word. And guess what? It's linked right back into this. And isn't that so true? Fear drives us of all contentment. Why? Because when fear is at the core of your being, it shoves out everything within you. It's the big, bad bully. In 2 Timothy 1, Paul writes these words. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That's why God keeps, saying, keeps on saying to us, fear not, don't be afraid. Fear not, don't be afraid. Fear not, don't be afraid. But there's one thing that God makes abundantly clear in the Bible to fear. Him. You see, there's this paradox of God saying, don't be afraid, but fear me. Fear not, fear me. And you see that throughout the Bible. You see it throughout the Bible. Moses, when he's in the presence of God, he's on his face, afraid of being in the presence of a holy God. The disciples, when they see the resurrected Christ, there's fear because they realize this whole thing they've been a part is really happening now. But they're also in the presence of the resurrected Christ. See, my question for you is, do you fear God? Do you fear God? In Proverbs chapter 19, Verse 23, it says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. When you fear who God is, that will lead to life, an abundant life, a life of peace. It goes on and says, then one rests content. There's that content word again. When you fear God, it leads to life, and then you can... Rest and be content within your life, untouched by trouble. Now, that doesn't mean that that when you fear God, that there's no trouble that's going to come your way. What it's saying is that that the path that you're on, your life journey that you're on, even when trouble comes your way, guess what happens? It's not going to detour you. you. Because you fear God. There's a great moment in Exodus chapter 1 when Moses was just a baby and the midwives were kind of surrounding him going, what do we do with him? And it says, they feared God over Pharaoh. So they protected him. I mean, Pharaoh, the most powerful ruler in the world at that moment, but they feared God more than Pharaoh. Pharaoh. See, I'm going to give you the answer. Week one, you get the answer. That doesn't mean you can't come back the next four weeks. But this is going to be the answer we come back to and come back to and come back to. You have to fight fear with fear. That's the only way you're going to overcome the fear down here. There's this classic moment in the book uh, titled... Uh, Prince Caspian is part of the Chronicles of Narnia uh, series written by C.S. Lewis. Some of the best theology written into this kid's story. And uh, Lucy, um, one of the small girls, hadn't seen Aslan. And Aslan kind of represents, Aslan was the, was the, the, the lion that represent, represents you know, God, uh, Jesus Christ. And, um, and uh, Lucy hadn't seen Aslan for quite some time. And when she saw him again, he had changed in her eyes. And I want to read to you this this few lines of dialogue between Lucy and Aslan. Aslan said, Lucy, you're bigger. And can you imagine just a small little girl saying that? Hey, you're bigger. And he replies this way, that is because you are older, little one. And then she comes back and listen to what she says. Not because you are, And then he says this statement, I am not, but every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Every year you grow, you will find me bigger. You see, fear is abated when your view of God is elevated. Let me say that again, because this will guide every step along this series that fear is abated when your view of God is elevated. You see, the question is this, how big is your God? How big do you view God? When you think about God, do you come before him in fear and trembling because he is the holy most high God? Or do you just kind of put them in a little box, you take them off off the shelf and say, oh, wow, you're God, that's great. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy in this moment. I'm gonna put you back. And when I need you, I will find you. When I think it's big enough, I might consult you. When I realize I'm not really in control, I might think that you might be in control. Or do, do you come before a holy God and realize that he is God that whatever you're dealing with is so small in his hands? Do you come before God and realize you're not really in control of anything, are you? Do you come before God and realize that his love is so beyond our words that his care for you is beyond our words that his plan for you is beyond anything you think you can create do you fear god because when you fear god you fight the fear within and when you elevate god to his rightful place in your life your fears will be abated You see, this is the answer. I mean, even when we get into specifics of this fear issue and how we deal with fear from the past, how we deal with fears of the future, how we navigate through decision-making processes when fear is controlling our lives, it's all going to come down to this. Fight fear with fear. For fear will be abated when your view of God is elevated. That is the answer. It's not my answer. It's the answer throughout the entire Bible. It's why we see this paradox. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Fear God. So this week... Here's the question you have to answer. And it really goes back to that little interchange between Lucy and Aslan. What's your view of God? He's not changing. Are you growing spiritually? Because if you are, then your view of God is getting bigger. You're elevating who God is. The question is this. How do you see God? Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for our time today. And I realize that uh, there's a lot of an intense fears in this room today. A lot of sleepless nights. Hearts that are racing. Anxiety that's overwhelming. But Lord, maybe, just maybe today. Someone can walk out of here today and their view of you just gets a little bigger. Which will make whatever they're dealing with a little smaller. Because our fears seem so big in our hands. But when we place those in your hands, they seem so small.